we are back with another episode of the Buzz and Economic Development Podcast. I'm here with Nexon Pruitt's Bernie Maybank. Bernie is a two-time former director of the South Carolina Department of Revenue and an avid beekeeper. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about some of the, the bee bomb coming up in a second <laughs> with our next guest. But from a shoe manufacturer known for producing some of the highest quality boat shoes and moccasins in the world to a tortilla company in Nevada that needed some help getting their business to the next level. Our next guest today have invested $3.8 billion in over 800 diverse companies focusing on rural, low-income, and underserved areas of the country since its inception in 1992. Today, we want to welcome Tony Toops, who is a principal and member of senior management at Advantage Capital, and Darian Harris, an associate on Advantage Capital's national expansion team, where he focuses on the firm's economic development, public policy, and public finance initiatives at the state and local level. Welcome to The Buzz, gentlemen. Oh, thank you for having us. Yeah, it's great to see you. And before we get to the serious stuff, Tony, your wife is a, a fan of Bernie's Bee Balm? She is becoming his main uh, advocate and uh, <laughs> um, evangelist she loves the stuff and she gives it to her friends and she uses it as stocking stuffers and uh, she can't get enough of it she probably uses it four or five times a day so whatever you've got there bernie you ought to uh replicate and get into the uh agribusiness world and start uh, out. I i'm seeing a shark tank episode but that'll be we'll, we'll work behind the scenes to develop that tony and darian <laughs> well let's get to it you Bernie, Bernie knows everybody, let's just face it, but you have a relationship with Tony and Darian in advantage. Right. So for folks who aren't familiar, I guess, Tony, you want to start us off and give us a little bit of background about what you all do and how it works. We do have a big economic development crowd who watches. So for folks that, that haven't heard, how do they get involved in advantage? What do you all do? Sure. So real quick, Advantage started here in Louisiana, where I am today, um, in 1992, under a venture capital investment tax credit program that was designed and put together in the 1980s, actually, by a Harvard economist named Belvin Daniels. And the founder of our firm, Stephen Stull, uh, was in charge of an investment division for a large Midwestern uh, insurance company. And he got a look at the Louisiana law and there were some problems with it, but he figured out how to fix it and raise the first fund. And uh, my law firm at the time helped him close that fund, a uh, firm here in New Orleans, Chapel Call. And um, the firm has grown exponentially since then. And in the um, last 20 plus years, uh, Advantage has really made its mark in both the federal and state new markets tax credit uh, world. And really what Advantage is all about is bringing access to capital to emerging businesses in areas underserved by traditional sources of capital. And that's a, a pretty broad tent. So um, with new markets, um, we realized early on that the, the federal program, which uh, grew out of a, some Jack Kemp ideas when he was uh, in Congress and then Secretary of HUD, the idea of having enterprise zones, as Secretary Kemp used to say, in order to have capitalism, you have to have capital. And he realized that there were areas that were not participating fully in the economy, as it were. So the new markets uh, legislation was actually uh, the floor leader was Jim DeMint. Uh, but it was uh, a strong bipartisan uh, bill that passed Congress in 2000 and was the last piece of legislation signed by President Clinton. 
and has been uh, endorsed and uh, strengthened by every succeeding administration, both Democrat and Republican, and um, by all Congresses. It's been uh, repeatedly extended. President Trump uh, expanded the funding. Uh, President Biden has proposed making a permanent part of the tax code. Uh, right now, it's on a five-year extension from the 2017 federal tax reform. And, and if I can, real quickly, what, what New Markets does is it takes a combination of private capital plus a public support through a tax credit and then requires that that capital be invested in areas defined as low-income communities. So that's really, in many ways, our template in, in how we how we function both at the federal and state level. And uh, I know that's a lot to digest, so I'll, I'll be quiet and see if I've created questions or confusion. And how many businesses have y'all helped over the last 20 years? What would be the capital investment? Uh, close to $4 billion. Um, we, we figured we are the nation's largest rural investor. One of the different things we have done was under the Obama administration's Secretary of Agriculture, Vilsack, created a program known as the Rural Business Investment Company, which is an analog to the SBA Small Business Investment Company, SBIC. And we were the first to get that license. And uh, we did that in conjunction with an agribusiness uh, venture fund that the Midwest farm credit banks asked us to manage. And we have focused both through state and federal uh, new markets and in the Arbic uh, license on a great deal of rural businesses and have some really incredible stories to tell that I think illustrate very well the impact this kind of capital can have. And agribusiness is extremely important in South Carolina. It's either our number or our number one or number two um, industry in South Carolina. What what have you attempted to do for agribusiness in South Carolina? I know it's been rough sledding for a while. Well, we've, <laughs> we've been working on some legislation for a bit, uh, which you're very familiar with, the uh, South Carolina Rural Jobs Act. And it would be very much similar to programs done recently in Georgia and Ohio and, and Utah, Pennsylvania. And um, if I can give a real a quick example uh, in Georgia, which I think would apply probably very well in, in South Carolina, we have two examples. <clears throat> One of which is a company known as Danimer Scientific. And Danimer uh, was a farmer owned, is a farmer owned co-op or was, I should say, that was created to take agricultural waste products and make um, you know, environmentally friendly, biodegradable type food packaging. And they bumped along for about 20 years. They were down, are down in uh, Decatur County, which is Bainbridge, Georgia, which is down on almost to the uh, border with uh, Florida, the state line. And several years ago, Danimer came up with a process for making a truly biodegradable plastic straw that involves melding canola oil molecules with plastic molecules that create this biodegradable plastic. And they did it at a lab level, but they needed about $10 million in order to purchase canola fermenters to prove they could make this at scale. There was tremendous market response. The demand was huge. McDonald's, Starbucks, Marriott, others wanted to make use of the, um, of the, of the biodegradable straws. But Danimers was stuck. Um, their lines of credit were full. Their farmers, uh, their owner base didn't have access to that kind of capital. And we stepped in through the Georgia Agribusiness Rural Jobs Act, known as GARJA, and did the financing. And um, they purchased equipment, installed it in Bainbridge, Georgia. And then we were able to prove to a very big market that 
Danimer, in fact, could manufacture this product reliably, reliably and at scale. And uh, much larger investors came behind us and eventually took Danimer public. And um, they have announced in recent time a $700 million expansion that will hire 400 full-time employees. Wow. And construction is underway today in Bainbridge, Georgia. And I think that is a, a huge example. And then an, another quick example, if I could, uh, from Georgia. Uh, Darren, why don't you tell them about where you were this week? Yeah, so um, I, I was down at a Katie Bag Company, and this is down in Pearson, Georgia. And Pearson, Georgia is about uh, 30 minutes from Valdosta, which is uh, the largest growing city in uh, South Georgia. Uh, they have a poverty rate about 25% greater than that. Um, so Katie Bag Company, they make the, the Vino mesh bags, which are those Vidalia onion bags, those orange bags. So they make that all in-house. They are the only fully integrated Vino mesh bag maker in North America. Um, which is very special to the state of Georgia and which is very special, I feel like, to our country and, you know, kind of keeping uh, our manufacturing processes in-house. Um, so Katie Bag Company, they had been around for about 50 years. It was a family-owned business. Um, they had kind of, you know, kind of drug along and, you know, uh, they were actually, they went bankrupt and were actually sold on the courthouse steps. Uh, a group of investors from South Georgia, they ended up stepping in um, you know, created a new board. Uh, they actually brought on one of the original family members back on, brought them onto the board because they enjoyed that that family value and that family atmosphere that had been around the company. Um, so we gave uh, Katie Bag about a $4 million investment. Um, since then, you know, they've been able to, you know, get the machinery that they needed to kind of streamline their processes so that they can make things a little bit easier for them. And that they've also hired about, you know, 20 more employees since then. And it's just been a tremendous value add to that community down there in Pearson, where, you know, Katie Bag is truly the entire staple of, <laughs> of the community. You go down there and it's, you know, they have a red light. And that's it. So, Darren, we were talking a little bit before the show started. How do people find out? You know, a lot of times you came from an agricultural background. A lot of these small town folks, they're working to put food on the table. And so they may not be aware that this is out there for them, that this is a possibility. So you are kind of working behind the scenes and obviously with the bigger manufacturers and the legislature as a whole, how are you spreading the word? So we, we spread the word a, a couple of different ways. You know, we try to engage a lot with local economic development organizations and make sure that we're very much at the forefront so that they can know about the program, first of all, and let their members know. And a, another really cool thing that I make that I think makes Advantage extremely unique is that we have a, a proprietary software that we have created using uh, census data, SBA loan data, um, and we have a database of you know hundreds of thousands of businesses across the country. And it's very easy for us to go in there and enter certain criteria. Um, you know, only having uh, populations with a, a um, only having counties with a population of seventy five thousand or fewer. Um, only USDA uh, ruled. Um, uh, rural zones, uh, opportunity zones, and we can go in and we can use all these different filters and create a pipeline that generates um, just a list of businesses that we can go in and old fashioned cold call. And so we have a old fashioned sourcing team and, you know, a bunch of young, bright, talented kids up in uh, Hanover, New Hampshire, who, you know, they'll just cold call people day in and day out. And it, it, it's just a really cool process because like here in, in South Carolina, you know, we ran our pipeline. There's only there's over 4,000 businesses that qualify for the program. 
um, and that and that's including you know those rural zones, and that's also including opportunity zones, which are included in the program. And and the two examples you'll use today, I'm assuming. Um, they would have difficulty going down to a regular bank and getting a regular bank loan, correct? A thousand percent. Well, that's exactly right, Bernie. The uh, Danimer, for example, had lines of credit that were fully tapped out, and their owners didn't have access to that kind of cash. And uh, one of the features of the South Carolina bill we've been working on requires that uh, before um, a, one of the participant funds in the program could make a senior debt uh, loan, if, as it were, to a company has to have a turndown letter from a from a community bank or a local bank. And because this is not competitive, I mean, we're not interested in taking deposits, et cetera. Um, but absolutely, this is a but for situation where but for this capital, these jobs wouldn't be created and sustained. And that's really the driving metric. And, uh, you know, I would contrast this in terms of big picture economic development. You know, there's what is called elephant hunting, you know, and that's the the big international EV manufacturer, electric vehicle manufacturer that comes to makes the states compete against each other and seeks, you know, large subsidies and promises to create a big slug, you know, thousands of jobs in one place over a given period of time. And that's all well and good. And every state does it. And we understand that. And on the other end of the spectrum is what, you know, we're talking about, which has also been called economic gardening. You know, and we're growing 20 jobs at Katie Bag. We're growing 400 jobs at Danimer Scientific. We're growing, you know, 10 jobs here, 30 jobs there. And um, these small companies have to be under like the bill we have in South Carolina. It's the same in the programs in Georgia, Ohio, and Utah, and Pennsylvania. They have to be headquartered. They have their principal place of business in a rural community or in an opportunity zone, but primarily rural. So that means we're talking about the locally owned businesses like the Katie Bag, like the Danimer, and not these large international, um, you know, publicly traded companies that can make states disgorge, you know, large amounts of money. I mean, there, for example, you know, there's a, there's a, a big example that's been getting a lot of uh, publicity lately over in Georgia. And not to go into names and details, but we calculate that the state subsidy is going to be about $200,000 a job, which is super, super expensive. And that's fine if that's what the state feels is important to do. But when you look at, you know, the granular type uh, expansion that we're talking about, it's much more efficient for the state. And one of the hallmarks of these programs is that each fund is responsible to the state for the creation and retention of specific numbers of jobs that then let the state know that the amount of the state subsidy, whether it's a tax credit or a conditional grant, is exceeded by the new contributions to the general fund caused by the growth, the economic growth of those new jobs. And so your program will basically provide credit to rural areas for what? Manufacturers, agriculture? Who qualifies the, in your program? Sure. Darren, you want to go? Yeah. So um, manufacturers, uh, agribusiness, um, you know, any of these, uh, it's uh, businesses with 250 employees or less 
um, located in these qualified rural zones or these qualified opportunity zones. Um, as long as you make that criteria, then, you know, where uh, any of the fund managers are welcome to invest um, at Advantage, we like to focus primarily on manufacturing processes. Um, and that, that's very much our, our, our interest uh, when it concerns agribusiness. And uh, so we, we, we just want to continue uh, finding those pipelines and, and, and finding those businesses out there that we feel like we can really help. But, you know, the portfolio is, is completely diverse, like in our Georgia portfolio. You know, we have everything from uh, technology to, you know, cattle farming, you know, so the, the range of businesses that can benefit from this program is it is extremely wide. And I and the the definition of agribusiness is extremely broad. OK, so basically in South Carolina, it would be um, small to medium sized businesses, uh, primarily manufacturers and agribusinesses in rural areas. Correct. Correct. And South Carolina's a still a rural largely rural state what what percentage of south carolina would would qualify under your bill um uh roughly i believe the percentage of south carolina that would qualify for the bill is around about 45 percent okay. i would say okay and so the bill provided tax credits for investors <laughs> to provide this credit and uh, and it's been it's been hard going but you y'all had success passing it in similar bills in other states what other states have, uh, have, have, have passed similar legislation? So in Georgia, uh, Georgia is our, you know, our, our, our touted example. In Georgia, we've added over um, 1,500 jobs in Georgia, in our Georgia program. Uh, we have a similar program in Ohio. That Ohio program has added over 1,000 jobs. In Utah, we have a similar program and, again, has added over 1,000 jobs. So you know, we, we feel like the, the programs are, are, are tried and true and tried and tested. And that's not even including the 17 other states that have passed similar type programs to the rural jobs program that right. we've also um, participated in as well. And just the track record of success that we have had with similar type programs is tremendous. Okay, and, and Bernie, is, I'd add that I'd add real quickly that um, what Darren just said is absolutely correct about the, the 17 plus states that have done really variations of federal new markets. And after Hurricane Katrina. Governor Haley Barber and Governor Bobby Jindal in Mississippi and Louisiana saw the benefit to creating state-type programs that mirrored what the federal programs did. And they're really very similar in the way they're constructed and set up to what we're talking about with rural jobs. It's just in the new markets, the, the qualified geographic area is called a low-income community, which is a census tract with a certain poverty level. So it included a lot of urban plus rural areas. But states like Mississippi and Louisiana have renewed those programs six, seven times apiece. And, uh, and many um, states have a lot of really good uh, experience and impact with having that state new markets, which, again, is sort of the, the father, if you will, the parent of what we're talking about with the rural jobs programs. You know, our time's starting to run low. Uh, we may have to have you all back and, and chat again. But before I let you go, and Tony, you're a little bit more seasoned than Darian in years, uh, but I'm going to open this up to both of you. You could be doing other things, but Tony, I, I gotta say, there's gotta be satisfaction for both of you in working in these rural communities and seeing this job growth, um, especially in a market where rural communities have often been left behind. Is that why you keep doing what you're doing, Tony? And I'd love for you to, Darian, um, to, to weigh in as well. Absolutely. You know, I, I had the privilege to be a, a litigator for about 20 years, and I enjoyed that. 
But um, it, this really got home to me when uh, Advantage offered me to come on board. In early years, I was working on a project we did in uh, Selma, Alabama. And um, this gentleman came up to me. We were doing a, a little media event and a fish fry for the local officials. And this gentleman came and gave me a hug. And uh, he had been working all day. It was very sweaty. But he said, I hadn't had a job in six years. Thank you. And um, nobody ever did that when I walked out of a courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, Darren. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I'm, I'm, I'm fresh out of law school. Um, I knew that this was kind of an area that I wanted to pursue, um, especially uh, I have, in law school. I have a certificate in economic development. Um, and but the rural aspect really hit home for me um, as you know, I'm, I'm from, you know, the city in Atlanta, but I used to spend my summers on my, my grandparents dairy farm in, in rural South Georgia. So, you know, the kind of issues that we work on and the impact that I've seen in these areas, because I know what's down there. I know that it's, you know, a lot of these rural areas are desolate. I know that it's extremely hard for people my age, once they graduate from college, to you know, have the opportunity to go back home and find a job that is reasonable or in their you know, qualifications. Um, so, and that's why I, I, I enjoy so much about what we're doing and really just seeing the difference that we're making and you know, seeing people with jobs and their smiling faces, because it's not like we're hands off, we're very much hands on. Um, we're at several of our portfolio companies. I've seen, you know, the impact that we've made, and it's it, it's been a tremendous experience. If this has been eye-opening for some of our viewers and listeners, go to your website, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. uh, they can get in touch with you for more information. thousand percent, yeah. Go to our website, advantagecapital.com. Uh, again, my name is Darian Harris, and uh, this is my, 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 my partner, Tony Toops. Uh. <laughs> Excellent. Well, with that, we're going to bid you adieu, viewers and listeners. But thank you so much to Tony Toops and Darian Harris for spending some time with us this morning and the education. And uh, hopefully we can come back and talk about some South Carolina success stories along the way. Definitely. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining us on The Buzz today. If you haven't checked out some of our past episodes, check them out. There's a lot of great information that could help you out. Also, make sure if you're on social media, uh, go and like us and subscribe uh, to the podcast. We really appreciate your support and we hope you have a great day. Thanks. Mm -hmm.